It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. we got a great one coming up. It's uh, Wednesday, which means, of course, Armchair Politics. Our roundtable regulars, Flint's premier political pundit Paul Rosicki on the left, Henry Hatter, uh, longtime Genesee County Republican on the right, will be joined by a political operative and a 2020 elector. Bobby Clayton Walton will be uh, visiting us again uh, today for our political roundtable. And I'm sure we'll be talking about what's going on in uh, Washington today with the uh, uh, certification of the Electoral College votes. I'm sure Bobby will have some interesting thoughts on that, being an elector herself. And... um, we're going to be talking about that process uh, as well as the uh, elections in Georgia and other things on armchair politics today. Uh, There's going to be a lot to talk about, so you're going to want to stay tuned for the second and third hour of our three-hour tour, if you will. But we're going to be talking with constitutional law professor Brendan Beery during this first hour, coming up in just a few minutes, about... Uh, all the uh, the legality of um, what's going on, you know what what is legal, what isn't legal, and so on. And we'll probably touch on that call um, the, that's now become sort of a famous call from President Donald Trump to the uh, Secretary of State of Georgia. And I have some. Uh, we're going to start out with some excerpts from that call, and then we'll follow that up with Brendan Beery, and of course, then at the uh, top of the hour armchair politics kicks off for two hours of commentary and analysis about local state national news headlines and current events so all good reasons to stay tuned to today's edition of the tom sumner program but first the president of the united states we have won this election in georgia based on all of this. And there's, there's nothing wrong with, with saying that, Brad. You know, I mean, having 
the, having a correct, the people of Georgia are angry. And these numbers are going to be repeated on Monday night, along with others that we're going to have by that time, which are much more substantial even. And the people of Georgia are angry. The people of the country are angry. And there's nothing wrong with saying that, you know, uh, that you've recalculated. Well, Mr. President, the challenge that you have is the data you have is wrong. Now, do you think it's possible that they uh, shredded ballots in uh, Fulton County? Because that's what the rumor is. And also that Dominion took out machines. Uh, that Dominion is really moving fast to get rid of their uh, machinery. Do you know anything about that? Because that's illegal. No, Ryan Germany. No, Dominion has not um, moved any machinery out of Fulton County. We're having. Well, but no, but, but have they moved? Have they have they moved the inner parts of the machines and replaced them with other parts? No. You sure, Ryan? I'm sure. You should want to have an accurate election, and you're a Republican. We believe that we do have an accurate election. No, I no, you don't. No, no, you don't. You don't have. You don't have. Not even close. You got. You're off by hundreds of thousands of votes. You know what they did, and you're not reporting it. That's a. You know that's a criminal. That's a criminal offense. And and you know you can't let that happen. That's that's a big risk to you and to Ryan. Your lawyer, that's a big risk. But they are shredding ballots, in my opinion, based on what I've heard. And they are removing machinery, uh, and they're moving it as fast as they can, both of which are criminal fines, and you can't let it happen, and you are letting it happen. You know, I mean, I'm notifying you that you're letting it happen. So, look, all I want to do is this. I just want to find uh, 11000 780 votes, which is one more than we have, because we won the state. So so tell me, Brad, what are we going to do? We won the election, and it's not fair to take it away from us like this. And it's going to be very costly in many ways. And I think you have to say that you're going to reexamine it, and you can reexamine it, but, but reexamine it with people that want to find answers, not people that don't want to find answers. Uh, For instance, I'm hearing Ryan, and he's probably, I'm sure, a great lawyer and everything, but he's making statements about those ballots that he doesn't know. But he's making them with such, he he did make them with surety, but now I think he's less sure, because the answer is they all went to Biden. And that alone wins us the election by a lot. You know, so. Mr. President, uh, you have people that submit information, and we have our people that submit information, and then it comes before the court, and the court then has to make a determination. We have to stand by our numbers. We believe our numbers are right. Well, under law, you're not allowed to give faulty election results, okay? You're not allowed to do that, and that's what you've done. This is a faulty election result, and honestly, this should go very fast. You should meet tomorrow because you have a big election election coming up. And because of what you've done to the president, you know, the people of, of uh, Georgia know that this was a scam. And because of what you've done to the president, a lot of people aren't going out to vote. And a lot of Republicans are going to vote negative because they hate what you did to the president.
Okay? They hate him. And they're going to vote. And if you would be respected, if really respected, if this thing could be straightened out before the election. You have a big election coming up on Tuesday. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, things are things are kind of interesting today. In uh, <laughs> as we ring in the new year with uh, with some leftover issues, like the presidential election, which is to be uh, certified by uh, Congress today, and uh, some other things in the works, the results of the Georgia election, and uh, and more. And we're going to get into some of those things with our our go to guy. On all things to do with the uh, with the Constitution, constitutional law, Professor Brendan Beery from WMU um, Cooley Law School in Tampa, and Brendan joins me by phone. Brendan, welcome to the show and Happy New Year! Happy New Year to you, Tom. I'm happy to be here. Um, Brendan, this process that's going on today in the um, in Washington, in the Capitol, is historically been largely ceremonial. But, mm-hmm. um, but is there a, an extreme circumstance uh, recommended uh, by the Constitution for Congress to overturn the vote of uh, the Electoral College? Is that one of the checks and balances? No, certainly not in the Constitution. Uh, it's interesting, you know. There's a there's a federal statute that you know enacted by Congress years ago that uh, that allows for uh, objections. Uh, but I'll talk about uh, uh, in a little while, you know, sort of the grounds that were anticipated for objection under that federal law. But uh, so there's a federal statute that allows for objections. Uh, but the Constitution itself, the Twelfth Amendment, uh, is the amendment that's in play, uh, and that amendment uh, simply says that uh, the uh, the president of the Senate, which is the vice president. I know that's confusing sometimes, right? right <laughs> people say, well, right. How is the vice president the president? Well, he's a, he presides over the Senate. Um, and the 12th Amendment says that the uh, uh, after the uh, certified results from the states are sent to Washington, uh, that the president of the Senate shall, I'm actually quoting here, in the presence of the Senate and House of Representatives, open all certificates and the votes shall be, then be counted. The person having the greatest number of votes for president shall be president, and the person having the greatest number of votes for vice president shall be vice president. So there is, if you read the 12th Amendment, it says absolutely nothing about Congress having any discretion. The 12th Amendment says they open the votes, they count the votes, and that uh, the people with the most votes are president and vice president. And does that go state by state, or is it literally congressional district by congressional district? It's state by state. And that part, <clears throat> so there's the Constitution, right? Then what Congress has to do is, see, the Constitution is written in these broad terms and, and tells, the, right, tells the Congress what they're supposed to do. But then they pass laws, right, to carry out their duty under the 12th Amendment. Um, and anybody who wants to, uh, uh, you know, look that up, uh, the, the federal uh, statute, the code is at the uh, uh, Chapter 3, United States Code, Section 15. Um, and uh, that's the part of, of the federal code uh, that tells Congress how they're going to do this. It says uh, you're going to have a joint session of Congress um, in the, in the, the uh, chambers of the House of Representatives. Uh, 
Uh, again, the vice president uh, will preside over the proceeding. Uh, and uh, what happens is that the, uh, each, ho each house appoints a couple of tellers right, to, to count. So the vice president, um, and, and that law, to answer your question directly, that law specifically says the, electoral, uh, the electors uh, shall be counted state by state alphabetical order. Uh, so, so we'll have the A's coming first. Um, uh, once uh, once the, the uh, certificates are delivered to the uh, vice president, he then reads out the, the votes state by state. And here, now what does that really look like? Now, we have these, these two tellers. Are they literally uh -huh. going through the elector's um, uh, ballots or, or whatever form they use uh, in the various states and counting them up? So for Michigan, for example, there would be 16. Right. Right. So they actually have opened the envelopes. Right? And so, yeah, it's all. And, and like you said, it's very ceremonial. Right. Uh, the envelopes are opened. The tellers count the votes. They uh, give the tally um, to the vice president who's presiding. And then um, uh, under this U.S. code, because I want to get this language precise as well, because there's a lot of debate of what the vice president's allowed to do. Here's what this, the law says, that the president of the Senate, who shall uh, once ha having received these votes, quote unquote, shall thereupon announce the state of the vote which announcement shall be deemed sufficient declaration of the persons, if any, elected president and vice president of the United States. So there is no role at all for the vice president except to announce the vote tally. And that is what has happened uh, right in, in every case uh, uh, since this law has been passed and since the 12th Amendment uh, has been uh, enacted. So if, if Republicans are going to play it a different way, it's going to be yet another departure. I, Tom, you and I over the last few years have worn out the word unprecedented. Um, yeah, it, well, and what, I, what I've discovered is that there are these things that are built into federal and state law that are meant to be invoked under extreme circumstances that are being used under routine circumstances. Right, right. Uh, you're right, as, as though that this is, yeah, a routine. And, um, you know, like, and I uh, think even, even sometimes the lame duck sessions in, in state legislator, mm -hmm. uh, legislatures, um, you know, all of a sudden they do a flurry of legislation, you know, that doubles what they did throughout the, the calendar year. Right. And, and right. you know, as if there's some kind of a bridge falling down that they have to rescue. And right. it was never, in, you know, the, the lame duck session was never intended to do mm -hmm. mass legislation before your term ended. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this, this should be a quiet time. It really should. Um, uh, and I think to that point. And, um, and certainly when it comes to uh, the Electoral College, I mean, this is in the past. I mean, you and I have been through this how many times? Uh, you know, I mean, just during our lives. Uh, you, you, people don't even know that the Electoral College is meeting. It's, it's a mere formality, right? Once uh, the election is called in November, um, you know, you usually don't have people waiting around like we did this time, uh, you know, until December 14th, holding your breath. More with constitutional law professor Brendan Beery straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Wearing a mask helps prevent the spread of COVID-19. Wear your mask correctly. Wash your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds before putting on your mask. Holding the ear loops or ties, make sure the mask covers your nose and mouth and secure it around your chin. Try to fit it snugly against the sides of your face. Make sure you can breathe easily and keep the mask on the entire time you're in public. To learn more, visit cdc.gov slash coronavirus. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling authors, photographers, and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. TomSumnerProgram.com TomSumnerProgram.com
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with constitutional law professor Brendan Beery straight ahead. Well, we had a situation in Michigan, and I know they had it in some other states, where the Capitol was closed for the purposes of holding the Electoral College vote because of potential threats, basically. In fact, I think one state, might have been Arizona, held theirs in an undisclosed location. (laughs) And, And the reason I bring that up is because there was a threat from Republican electors to show up and cast votes for the president. Right. And is is there any way that that can happen in today's proceedings where, uh, you know, one of these uh, hundred 
40 plus uh, congressmen republicans mm-hmm. that say they're uh, you know they're they're going to object to the uh, tally of the of the electoral college can they then submit are they likely to submit their their state's republican electors and and try and have those counted instead i mean is that even a process that's allowed yeah, absolutely not. Um, that doesn't mean they won't try. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, fair point. A lot of things yeah, I right. didn't think we'd be talking about ever. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. I mean, but but that's what you hear being bantied about. I even heard it on a national broadcast saying, "Well, you hear some some uh, reports leaking out here and there that Mike Pence is just going to seat the you know the alternative electors from these states and." Uh, no, I mean, federal law, the same federal statute that I was just quoting, you know, there are multiple parts of it. Uh, it very clearly, explicitly uh, lays out that the electoral votes that are to be counted are the electoral votes that were certified by the state and transmitted uh, right to the president of the Senate from the state. So the, that that's the slate of electors that the secretary of state certified and the governor right signed off on um, under federal law. That is the slate of electors that must be counted. Uh, there is not, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, and uh, so the only, has the, there only ever, the only, has there ever been ahead, a sir. discrepancy in the count? No, um, not not since the Twelfth Amendment, um, right there. And some of our earlier elections, uh, I can't remember exactly which ones, but there there were some dust ups. That's why the Twelfth Amendment was ratified, uh, right, so to clarify that this is how it's going to work. And that's why the federal statute that was then enacted to put right to put some guardrails uh, around us. Um, now, I should say the federal law does allow for objections. Uh, again, the, the Constitution does not contemplate that. The federal law says if one member of the House and one member of the Senate object in writing um, to uh, the, the slate of electors from a state. So this can be done state by state. This is why tomorrow, uh, I'm sorry, today could go on forever. Um, so we will see how many states they object to, right? Uh, but if, if one House member and one senator objects uh, to the electors of a state, then both houses have to uh, go, re- retire to their corners right, uh, and debate for, for up to two hours on whether to uphold the objection. Um, this obviously is, is doomed to failure because the House of Representatives is controlled by Democrats, and in the Senate, um, you know, even even Mitch McConnell uh, and many Republican senators have said they're not going to go along with this. So th- this is going to be a spectacle. It's for show. Um, there's there's no chance that these objections are going to go anywhere. I got to add this too. Uh, under the federal statute, uh, the, what the law says is that if if one of these objections is raised, the objection is only supposed to be raised when there's some doubt that these are the actual electors that were certified by the state or that the people, right, that the electors in the electoral college, right, from that state were not qualified. There's there's no contemplation in the federal law for this broad objection that, well, we don't think the election was fair. But the federal law says you can object uh, because you think that these are not the actual electors from the state or that the electors are not qualified. And I'm not hearing any of that, uh, right, in the arguments being made by Republicans. More with constitutional law professor Brendan Beery straight ahead. More with constitutional law professor Brendan Beery straight ahead. So, 
this is a mess <laughs> and it, a spectacle, as I keep saying. It, it is a mess and a spectacle, and it's uh, been made uh, much more fun to watch by the president himself, who, while mm-hmm. campaigning for Republicans in Georgia, or at least that was the stated uh, goal of the trip, <laughs> um, actually said in so many words that, uh, you know, he's he's counting on the vice president to pull this one mm-hmm. out of a hat. Right, right. And and, uh, and and even sort of hinted that if he doesn't pull this one out of a hat, he won't like him as much. Um, That's right. That's right. Is there any way the vice president can conduct himself in a way that isn't going to have President Trump liking him less? Yeah, I don't know that. You know, I, I haven't heard I, uh, the poor guy. Right. You can't win. It's a there was spot actually, to be in. What's that? Uh, it's a tough spot to be in, and and there yeah. have been meetings about it before the trip to Georgia, and and right. since uh, Trump's comments, he's he's met with the vice president. I'm not sure what he's telling the vice president to do, and right. and what the vice president can do with whatever those instructions are. Yeah, that's uh, it's going to be a tough spot. I mean, there there have been reports, you know, floating around. There's, I don't think there's anything to it, but. Uh, everyone now and then you see a report popping up that maybe he just won't show up and uh, Chuck Grassley, uh, who's the who's the president pro tem of the Senate, uh, right, that, that he'll do it instead of uh, Mike Pence. But it sounds like Mike Pence is going to be there. Um, has that, ever, has that ever happened, a vice president uh, stepping aside from that responsibility? Yes, I believe Hubert Humphrey, uh, after he lost, when he was the sitting vice president at the time, uh, he, he decided not to... Uh, uh, not to not to preside, which is not really a problem uh, under the law, because when we say president of the Senate, again, that just means who's ever, whoever is presiding. Um, so if the vice president is there, then that's the president of the Senate. Um, but if the vice president's not there, then uh, somebody else simply takes the seat and presides, and that person is the president uh, of the Senate. So if now, you know, talking about, you know, has it ever happened, um, I think one of, the, one of the things people want to keep in mind when you look at historically, and we can talk just recent history, <clears throat> um, Walter Mondale was vice president. Uh, but you know, the, the, <laughs> Tom, the young people listening to us have no idea who I'm talking about, yeah. <laughs> right? But uh, Walter Mondale was vice president um, who announced the election of Ronald Reagan, right, after, after <laughs> Carter Mondale was defeated by Reagan. Yeah, dis- despite uh, his youth and inexperience. That's right. That's right. That that was a great uh, debate moment you're referencing there. Um, Dan Quayle announced the election of Bill Clinton, right? And when Bush Quayle had been defeated by Bill Clinton, of course, Gore was the vice president who announced the election of George W. Bush, uh, who had defeated Gore. Um, And let's not forget four years ago, Joe Biden was the vice president who announced the election of Donald Trump. So, so it but, has happened. But he was, but the, he was lame duck at uh, lame duck at that point. Yes, that's right. So he hadn't been defeated by Donald Trump, but still, in all, that wasn't his. <laughs> that was not his candidate. Would not have choice. been his choice. Right, right, right. So if so, if, the, if if as Donald Trump is now saying and tweeting, the vice president has the authority to overturn electoral votes. Um, you know, each one of those would have gone the other way, uh, and uh, so it's rather a specious um, argument and. And again, even though it's happened once that a, that a vice president's decided I can't handle this and I'm not showing up, uh, many more times than that, uh, the vice president, even if they're on the wrong side, uh, right, has shown up and done 
performed a, what is called a ministerial task, right? Uh, uh, so one one commentator today said the vice president's role is basically you know a, a coat hanger, <laughs> uh, nothing nothing there to do. And, and and why these guys typically stand up and do it because it is uh, sort of a, a scripted moment, right? Right. They, they, yeah. Be, they read their lines and you know walk away into the sunset. That's it. I mean, the most any of them has ever had to do. When Joe Biden four years ago was doing this, there were uh, protesters up in the galley, uh, gallery, and uh, he had to a couple times, uh, you know, bang the gavel and 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 call the chamber to order. Uh, that that's that's the most excitement you've ever seen until tomorrow until uh, today, when, right, uh, when right. we see uh, whenever uh, whatever antics are going to unfold uh, this afternoon. Well, and and we're you know stumbling over today tomorrow because we're recording this ahead of time i don't i don't mind sharing a little inside baseball um which we kind of have to do because we don't know the results of the georgia election right. yet and uh I, I don't even know if it'll be decided when this airs uh on wednesday morning right um right but uh but it might and would mm -hmm. that have any impact on you know, how would that make Republicans more or less likely to object and sustain that objection if it appears that the um, majority is going to flip in the Senate? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, from what I'm hearing, uh, the, the Georgia election is not going to have an impact on whether Republicans object. It's actually kind of the, the opposite. Um, I think the, the big question was whether these uh, threats to object to the election and undo the election would impact the Georgia runoff. Um, uh, but uh, from, from everything I'm hearing, uh, Republicans are pretty well set. I, th I think the, the one thing um, that, that did factor in was president Trump's phone call to the secretary of state uh, of Georgia. I think that that made it much harder for Republicans to go along with this because that was such a blatant attempt uh, Right to to undo the will of the voters of Georgia. What uh, about the legality of that? Is was the president in violation? And for listeners who don't know, over the weekend the uh, president called the Georgia Secretary of State and mm -hmm. and in so many words said, "Find me enough votes to flip this election," right. and um, and and was a little condescending, a little threatening, uh, you know, just um, in in not necessarily very coherent ways but he um there is some question floating around whether he actually violated federal or georgia state um election uh tampering laws right. <clears throat> yeah it's possible um you know there's going to be a lot of debate about that and of course but the, uh, the even bigger question is even if he did right is any prosecutor going to try to do something about it um but at the federal level, there is a statute. Um, and, you know, I, I think when he got himself, you, you referenced this, when he got himself into trouble here, uh, Donald Trump, was when he didn't just say, hey, I want a full and fair election. He said, I want 11,780 votes. <laughs> so, of course, because um, Biden won by 11,779. Um, <clears throat> so um, the federal statute says uh, that it's uh, illegal, it's a felony. Um, to knowingly and willfully attempt to deprive residents of the state of a fair and impartially conducted election. 
um, by uh, or through the tabulation of uh, fictitious ballots. Um, so that would be the question under federal law is did he knowingly and willfully try to deprive Georgians uh, of, of the results of a fair election uh, right by advocating uh, the, the tabulation, the counting up of ballots uh, that he knew were fictitious? Um, you know, of course, his his uh, rejoinder is going to be, no, I really thought, you know, I really thought I won. And, and who knows? I mean, it's, uh, you know, from listening to him, you, you wonder sometimes, does he does he believe what he's saying? Uh, you know, that's a good defense legally, right? I mean, if he really believes what he's saying, which would be somewhat delusional, I think it's fair to say, um, you know, then then that would defeat uh, any claim that, that he willfully and intentionally, right, uh, deprived well, uh, Georgians of the rightful result. Do you remember Oliver Stone's uh, controversial uh, uh, conspiracy theory movie about JFK? Yes, right. Right. Well, there were some pundits talking about that after the film came out, and Sam Donaldson was one of them. And he uh-huh. said, I have a problem with Mr. Stone's film. He says, uh-huh. you know, when he talks about government conspiracy, um, he assumes two things that I just haven't been able to find any evidence of. One is that the government is inherently evil, and the other is that it's incredibly competent. Um, And, and, you know, I I wonder why people aren't raising those kinds of questions when they see these, these, they're being called conspiracy theories about the election, keep getting shot down one after another after another. Do they really believe that these conspirators are so competent that it doesn't come unraveled under the kind of scrutiny we've seen? Right. Yep. I mean, that's a great question. And uh, yeah, it would I mean, the the conspiracy that's been alleged here would be the greatest conspiracy in the history of of political right well in all of political history in any country <laughs> the size of the of the conspiracy that would be required <clears throat> to deliver a, a national election in the united states uh to the wrong candidate un- undetected um it's, a, it's just impossible and and, uh, and the math doesn't work out you've got th- mm-hmm. there are two uh people going to the congress uh for the first time from michigan um, who have already said that they plan to participate in this objection to the mm-hmm. the electoral college uh, tallies, and they, if they're questioning the outcome of the election, aren't they questioning their own victories? Right. That's one would think. Of course, when when they're asked that, they say, "No, we're only challenging." The president, the presidential election was stolen, but somehow they did that without stealing. Uh, yeah, I mean right. they were all on the same ballots. So if they start tossing <laughs> out these ballots, aren't they tossing out mm-hmm. some of their own votes? And right. I, I just I can't believe that these people who expect to serve in Congress haven't done the math. Right, right, and that they're 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 essentially um, advocating that the votes of their own constituents be completely thrown out, uh, all of them. Because what, you're, what they're asking for, right, and, and some of these court cases and, and apparently what they want done uh, right, by, by Congress uh, is to, to uh, completely reject the slate of electors from the state. Okay, well, that just wipes. So you voted in Michigan. You might, you might as well have stayed home uh, because it didn't mean anything. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's uh, really 
really hard to understand. And, and, and speaking of conspiracy theories and debunking, if any of your uh, listeners uh, haven't seen this, I don't know if you saw it, Tom, um, you know, the Secretary of State in Georgia, Brad uh, Reffensperger, is, has become somewhat famous, I think, uh, um, I don't think he wanted to be. for, for the <laughs> Not, not uh, in this way, no. Not in this way, right. Uh, but he has uh, somebody under him uh, named Gabriel Sterling. Oh, Ster Sterling was amazing. Yeah, yeah wasn't he? That's, he he uh, really was. Uh, you yeah. know, he, he said, didn't happen. There's nothing there. Mm -hmm. Right. And he went point by point. It took 30 minutes um, to... Uh, uh, right to go through every one of these allegations obviously obviously very frustrated um and uh and angry he's a republican uh, but he's had enough <laughs> and uh so yeah if any anybody you know is still buying any of this stuff really ought to take 30 minutes because like i said i went on 30 minutes uh google right uh, gabriel sterling georgia and as press conference and and take a look how he's just systematically dismantled um, everyone. That was these, excellent. Uh, and and I have things. to give. Is it is it Raffensperger? Is that yeah, Raffensperger, right? Um, I, I have to yeah. give him a lot of credit too, because if you've heard, um, and, and I have to admit, I haven't had a chance to listen to the whole one-hour phone call. Um, mm -hmm. But if you listen to uh, some of the excerpts, um, Raffensperger didn't seem to have any trouble talking truth to power. Uh, you know, he right. said, one of your problems is is that the um, the data that you're using mm -hmm. is wrong. Right. <laughs> right. Know? I mean, he, he told the president flat out, this mm -hmm. is BS. Right. Yep, he did. And he had a lawyer. His his counsel was on the phone, too. I don't, don't know his name. Um, but he was clearly exasperated as well with with uh, President Trump. At one point, uh, Donald Trump said, uh, "I hear that they're taking these machines apart, these Dominion uh, uh, voting machines. They're taking parts out and running or running away with them. <laughs> Is that happening?" And you could hear the you could hear the guy just take a long, deep breath and say, "No, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not happening." Um, but yeah, they 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 spoke truth to power. I did listen to the whole thing. Um, one of the things that Secretary of State of Georgia did. Uh, I thought that was was uh, wise. Well, first of all, to record the call, um, because Donald Trump started misrepresenting uh, what what was uh, discussed, you know, uh, on Twitter, and uh, and the Secretary of State tweeted back and said the truth will come out. I I, I guess Donald Trump didn't realize that uh, they've been recording. Um, by the way, to that point, Georgia is a one-party consent state, which means you don't have to have both parties know that you're being recorded. That 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 rule changes from state to state. Um, so it was smart to record it, but he's also very smart, that this is again the Secretary of State of Georgia, to let Donald Trump do most of the talking. Um, he was very patient, very calm, uh, listened to everything Donald Trump had to say, and then as you say, uh, had some very brief uh, retorts and, and very to the point. You're wrong, the election was fair, um, and, uh, and then uh, he left it to Mr. Sterling, right, to do the press conference to really lay out uh, you know, all of the deficiencies in uh, uh, these theories. And that was wise, too, uh, because uh, the the Trump supporters haven't built up any animosity toward him yet. Right, right. They will. <laughs> you, you know, more with constitutional law professor Brendan Beery straight <laughs> 
Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. If you are sick with COVID-19 or think you might have it, take steps to help protect other people from getting sick. Stay home except to get medical care. Call the doctor before visiting. Separate yourself from others who live with you. Wear a mask to protect others. Cover your coughs and sneezes with a tissue and clean your hands right away. Avoid sharing items with other people in your home. This includes things like towels and bedding. Be sure dishes are washed in hot water or the dishwasher before anyone else uses them. Stay aware of how you feel. If you start to have difficulty breathing or if you are worried about your health, call your doctor. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling authors, photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com 
Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with constitutional law professor Brendan Beery straight ahead. It would have been easy if if Raffensperger, Mm -hmm. uh, if the Secretary of State had tried to hold that same press conference and do that same thing, people would have been dismissing what he was saying. Exactly. But with this right. guy, you had no reason to doubt what he was saying yet. You know, nobody right. had uh, uh, impugned his uh, credibility in any way. Right, right. And he's he's just so he was just so forceful. Uh, I'm a complete mastery of the numbers uh, and and all the information. So he was he was a good person to put out there. Um, and then, I mean, to kind of circle back to the question about. You know, were there possibly any crimes committed on that phone call? Um, I, I had talked about the federal statute. Um, I think the bigger problem for Donald Trump, if if he's going to get in trouble over this, is going to be with the district attorney in Atlanta. Um, because there are not only federal laws about this, there are also state laws uh, about tampering with elections. And the although the federal statute is kind of limited and it, it sounds like it's mostly tampering with actual ballots, right? Real fake ballots. Like, you know, the violating federal law would be Donald Trump handing uh, the secretary of state a pile of ballots and saying, here, these are fake, but I want you to count them. Uh, so it's kind of iffy under federal law, you know, if that would apply. Um, the Georgia law, on the other hand, is much more broadly worded. Uh, Georgia makes it a felony simply to solicit uh, another person to commit election fraud. Um, and of course, solicit means nothing more than ask, uh, right? If, uh, if you ask somebody uh, to do something fraudulent in connection with an election, you're guilty of crime in Georgia. That's a lot easier to show. Um, but again, you'd have to show that, that it was fraudulent, which goes to Donald Trump's state of mind. Right? Uh, does he believe what he's saying? Um, but, uh, and, and the district attorney in Atlanta has already started making noise um, that uh, she, you know, I, she says, you know, I don't care who you are. If you commit an election crime in this state, uh, you're going to hear from me. So um, and, and now the problem, the problem for Donald Trump there, he he arguably who knows, you know, we're, we're going to find out soon, I think, whether a president can pardon himself. That's an entirely different. <laughs> you, you know, discussion. one of the most interesting moments when, you know, when you're talking about numbers is when. Uh, President Trump said that there were 5,000, maybe more, uh, Mm. dead people who voted in Georgia. And and I can't remember if it's the Secretary of State or if it was uh, the assistant, Sterling, who refuted that and said, no, there were two. Right. Do you know how specific their recounts had to be for them to be able to pull up that fact? Right. That's right. I mean, statewide, <laughs> they, uh, they found two. Right, right. Where a and dead person's thing, name was used uh, to cast yeah. a vote. Right. And then he said, even those aren't, they're not for certain yet. They're still investigating it. Right, um, right. You know, at, I mean, it's, it's such a ridiculous argument. The, you know, you got people running around saying, hey, um, I found Bill Smith's obituary, but Bill Smith voted. Well, there are two Bill Smiths. <laughs> right. You know, uh, that's a different person. That's what's that's what was going on, um, right? In most of these cases, uh, but they've got then, two you know, that they think are suspicious enough to count, right? And right, um, right. 
I, I thought that was I thought that was interesting. And I always yeah. tease Paul Rosicki because he's from Illinois, that he's driving around with a big box of Dewey ballots in his trunk. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's right. Yep. That's uh, that goes back that, a ways too. It sure does. That's right. It's uh, yeah, the, the the good old days in Chicago, right? Right. That's uh, but uh, yeah, the, and there are others too. I mean, the uh, at 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 some points, uh, you know, again, if anybody watches the Sterling press conference, he was really uh, had had it up to his eyebrows. He said, "There's also allegations of thousands of people, thousands of unregistered voters voting." Um, he said, "You can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> you just can't you vote. can't do it. <laughs> That's right. It's impossible." Uh, and then the signature matches, right? You keep hearing this. Well, the the signatures. So they went and uh, what looked at like twelve thousand signatures in an audit. And once again, the number two comes up, right? At 12,000 signatures they looked at, there were two problems um, with the signatures uh, that weren't caught. But then he went on to say, but those two people actually were registered to vote and voted legally, but that there was a signature problem. Um, so this whole thing, this whole house of cards just comes tumbling down, sort of to your point from a while back. Um, when you submit these things to scrutiny. What's, um, what's left after the... Uh... Congress finally certifies the electoral college vote. Yeah, I, that depends exactly what Mike Pence does. If Mike Pence does what he's supposed to do, there's nothing left. Um, you know, so that then we just wait two weeks and <clears throat> then Joe, Joe Biden is inaugurated. Is there um, any is there any scenario where there'd be a significant enough challenge to these uh, electoral votes that it would? get bounced out of Congress and to the Supreme Court? I think the only way that's going to happen, because uh, when we talk about these objections, right, that can be raised, it's not up to the vice president to rule on those objections. Um, again, it's up to the, the Congress itself, right? And I, don't, I can't remember if I said this, but to sustain one of these objections, yeah, both houses would have to agree. The, the law says otherwise the votes get counted. That's the end of it. Um, and that's just not going to happen. Now, if Mike Pence tries to intervene, um, right, and, and break the law uh, and, uh, and somehow insert himself and say, well, you know, even though the Constitution and the federal statute contemplate no role for me at all, I'm going to go ahead and decide uh, who's going to be the next president. Well, then you're setting it up to go to the courts, um, right? Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll get in the weeds here a little bit. There are two things uh, that, that uh, right, the, that, the Biden people would be asking for in federal court. Number one would be something called a writ of mandamus, uh, which is an order, a court order directed to a government official, that would be Mike Pence, to perform a ministerial duty that that person has a clear legal duty to perform. Uh, they'd also be asking courts for a declaratory judgment that, uh, that Joe Biden won the, uh, the uh, electoral vote and is, and is the next president. Um, now, courts... And you and I have talked about this before, too. Courts are extremely hesitant to, to wade into these kinds of right, a political fracas like this. Um, but they have clearly signaled, uh, right, in a number of cases in the past, that um, when there is a clear legal obligation on the part of a, of a government official to do something, and they don't do it, and it's just clear cut, right, that uh, that is not something that a court can just can just let go um, that they would intervene in those circumstances uh, you know a famous case where the court said generally we're not going to get involved in impeachments but if the senate decided they're going to that they're going to decide uh 
whether to remove a president based on a coin toss, uh, we would intervene. <laughs> so right. so, are, there are, so they've signaled that there are going to be times when uh, they would step in. So, again, if Mike Pence does what he's supposed to do under the law, that, uh, there's, nothing, there's nothing left to watch. I'm sure there'll be a lot of bloviating and, and tweeting, uh, but there'll be nothing left uh, uh, to do except the moving trucks you know, uh, get in position. Um, on the other hand, if, if, he, if he pulls some shenanigans, then we're going to court. And uh, that would be, Tom, how many times have you and I uh, talked about this term, constitutional crisis? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, that would be a bona fide far, five alarm constitutional crisis. Well, it's going to be uh, it's going to be well worth the watch throughout the day, and, and maybe in the in a couple of days to come uh, to see how this mm-hmm. all plays out. Uh, Brendan, it's always a pleasure. I can't believe how fast the time has gone. I wanted to ask you a little bit about Chief uh, uh, Chief Justice John Roberts's annual report, but maybe we'll pick that up another time. He stayed Sounds pretty good. far Sounds away good. from this election stuff. I, it was cons- yeah. That's a, exactly it was cons- where he wants to be. It was conspicuously missing. That's right. Um, anyway, um, great talking with you again, and, and hopefully we'll get together real soon. We'll have more to talk about. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. All right. Take care. And with that, we'll have more of the time. <laughs> in session. The coat's in session now. Here come the judge. Here come the judge. Here come the judge. Stop eating that fudge. Cause here come the judge. Don't nobody budge. Cause here come the judge. Judge Shorty is presiding the day. And he don't take no stuff from nobody. No trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? 
Con! Con, get out of here! It's time for the Tom Sawyer.